0: Hallelujah. Bible says rejoice with them who rejoice. We're giving God glory, recognizing, thanking, and praising Him. Praise God. I'm going to move right into the Word, and we will receive the tithe and the offering at the end of our service today. I want to um, uh, strengthen us where the blessing is concerned. The blessing is... um, uh, Major, major part of the plan of God for our lives. As a matter of fact, for God to fulfill his plan completely and fully in your life, it will require the blessing. Without the blessing, God cannot have his full expression in our lives. And so we want to be aware of his plan and allow our uh, spirits To flow together with his blessing plan so that we can have his full purpose established in our lives. One of the things that the Lord has had um, my focus towards is our expectation. Is that we need to purposefully expect the blessing and the increase of God. Not just put it on cruise control and say, well, you know, if God wants to bless me, he'll bless me. Nothing in the kingdom works that way. Nothing in the kingdom is going to, to flow towards us without our faith being the magnet pull and, and, and opening our spirit up to what God has for us in his kingdom. And so the expectation, I have three different definitions for the word expect that I want to just remind us of. This is a continuation of a teaching that I have been on uh, for a a few services. And so since I haven't been here in two weeks, I thought I would just refresh us on our definition of expect. The word expect means to look forward to, to look forward to. When we look forward, we're looking forward in time and we're experiencing that occasion or that supply or that blessing or that increase in advance. So the expectation will look forward in time and and participate with that uh, blessing. The second definition is regard as likely to happen. And likely to the believer should not mean probably. Likely means any moment now. It it It, it, it is what we were talking about this morning. It is an eager, earnest expectation. When I was a, a teenager, actually in junior high school, I had to ride the bus to school. And my bus driver was so prompt I could not be three minutes late, five minutes late. I needed to be early. I usually wasn't. She was usually waiting while I ran down the hill to where our bus stop was. But she was so prompt. And so I knew she was, I had an, an eager, earnest expectation of when she would arrive. And we, when you have, when if you've ever, anybody ever rode the bus? When you're riding the bus, you, you know when the bus is supposed to come. You don't, you don't just hang out and got all your stuff all around. You have your things ready, and you're looking. Yeah. The bus will be here any moment now. Yeah. That's regarding is likely to happen. That's, I'm, I've got everything ready. I'm prepared. I'm, I'm ready to enter the bus. I'm ready to enter into the blessing. I'm ready for that to participate. I am, I am uh, looking for it. And then the third definition means anticipate the occurrence of something or the coming of something. Anticipate is an interesting word. It means to realize beforehand, foretaste or foresee. So anticipate. Anticipation. Anybody remember the Heinz ketchup commercial? And they had the bottle of ketchup and the little boy is sitting there looking down the bottle anticipation it's making me wait (laughs) but what was he doing his mouth was watering he was he was looking down for that ketchup to come down the bottle right anticipating it any moment now right so we need to have our expectation in gear because bible expectation is what faith gives substance to Without expectation, faith has no direction. Faith has no detailed, specific plan. So our expectation comes from the word of God. Abraham believed in hope, which is earnest, eager expectation. Faith gives substance to things hoped for or expected. If you're not expecting it, then faith has nothing to build. But if we're expecting or hoping, and that hope is not a, I hope so with a desperate plea in the vo- voice, but it is, a, I, I have hope. Yes. Think about the hope we have. The Bible calls it our blessed hope. What is our blessed hope? This is not the end of my life. This is not all there is to my life. This is temporary. This is a very temporary, brief moment of of my existence because I will live forever. And all of my family and friends who are in the kingdom and have already moved to heaven, I have a blessed hope. I will see them. They have not exited my life. They have not left my life. They are very much present. They're just in a different state called heaven. And, and so that's a hope, that's, a, that's not I hope, that's not desperate, that's not despairing, that has joy with it, that has peace with it. So the hope that the Bible brings to us through the Word of God, and what we want is we want the Word of God to imprint the image of what we are to expect. We're not expecting to win the lottery. Not from the Bible. The Bible's not building an image of lottery winning. The Bible's not building an image of get-rich-quick schemes. The Bible is building a different image, an image that the Word of God brings to us and imprints in our spirit so we know what to expect. So here's, here's one caution I want to give because there are, this is, This is you can do with it what you will, but as your pastor, I just want to give you a a a a protection here. There was a time that I was hearing teaching about just whatever you think you want, put it on a board and believe God for it. But I had things on my board God didn't want me believing for. And he began to come to me and he says, What I have for you is not that. I have something different for you, and it was better. What God had for me was better. I was cutting myself short. I was selling myself short by trying to go to my ideas and what I thought I wanted and what I needed to do, what I learned to do is go to God and say, Lord, what do you want me to put my faith in gear for? What do you want me to believe for? And what I have in the word is enough to keep me busy. What the word tells me to believe for is enough to keep me busy. And it will provide a a launching pad that the Holy Spirit can bring into my understanding the other specific parts of the design that he may have for me. And so uh, he definitely wants to fulfill the desires of our heart but he wants those desires to be birthed out of our relationship with him, our time in the word, because there are some people who have been shipwrecked by allowing their their natural desires to cause them to go after things with faith that were not the plan of God for their life. You know, Charles Capps tells the story about a man who got a hold of his teachings and decided he was going to believe for a plane. And he was able to operate his faith and believe for a plane that he couldn't pay for, that he couldn't maintain. So he was using principles, but there was was no uh, substance to maintain. There was no wisdom involved with that application of faith. It wasn't something that the Lord told him to go after. He just decided, I'm going to believe God. For this, And he believed God for, actually it was a few things. He believed God for a plane and he believed God for a house. That it it was just something that he decided this faith thing will work. I'm going to put it to work and I'm going to go after these things. But then he didn't have the faith strengthened and built up in his spirit to maintain what he had gotten a hold of. And so the Lord wants to teach us. He wants to lead us. He wants to fulfill our lives and he wants to be the author of the desires because I will promise you this, I will promise you this, everything God has planned for you is greater than anything you've ever desired. You haven't brought a desire that God hasn't already upped it, that God hasn't already said what I have for you is better than that. So if you will trust him, he created you, he knows what makes you tick. He knows what will be pleasing to you. The Bible speaks of the mansions that he is preparing for us. Why? Because he knows our taste. Amen? So he knows how to help your desires to be accurate so you don't waste time and kingdom resources going after things that will be a weight to you or be a hindrance. And I'm, I, that was all extra... That was just from the Spirit, so you're you're welcome. You're welcome. Praise God. But our expectation, we want the Word of God to be the source for our hope as well as our faith. The Word of God produces faith, but one of the first things that it will provide in this process of faith is it will provide the blueprint. So the Scriptures... The scriptures give us a visual image. Words transmit images. I have a new puppy. Now, some of, you, some of you, when I say puppy, you might think Dalmatian. You might think German Shepherd. You might think Chihuahua, based on whatever your favorite puppy might be. But I'm going to transmit an image of my puppy to you. My puppy is a toy poodle. She is about two and a half pounds of fur and teeth. But she is cute as she can be and she she still fits in my purse just barely. But she's a little black toy poodle. Now, Now you have a different image perhaps. Now you have a clearer image. And if I were to line up different varieties of dogs, you would be able to identify based on the the image that I transmitted to you, you would be able to identify my dog out of a group of other breeds of dogs because I gave you an image through words. And the word of God transmits an image into our spirit, a picture. It draws a picture. How many of you ever played with Etch-A-Sketch? I loved Etch-A-Sketch. We need an Etch-A-Sketch, Lily. I, I'm going to look for my child an Etch-A-Sketch. She needs, to, she needs to know the joy of an Etch-A-Sketch because you could draw that image. Well, as the word of God goes into your spirit, it's etching an image of God's will. Remember, he said, my word doesn't return unto me empty. It will accomplish what I please. The will of God is is contained in the word of God and as it feeds into your spirit it etches an image of what God's will is for your life. You know, I wasn't raised in church. I was I was in sin and in a lifestyle of, of crime and drugs. And so I knew nothing about church, knew nothing about God, other than the little bit of time that I spent around my grandparents who uh, went to church and took me uh, over the summers a little bit. But I didn't know anything about God. And so uh, when I came to God, I can't tell you I ever heard anybody preach it, but I just believed that, that it was wrong to have money. I don't know where I heard it. I, from a, for a Christian, it, I didn't mind having it before I got saved, right? But somewhere, this this wrong impression, this wrong, uh, this wrong image was transmitted to me, and I had been financially because of my lifestyle. I was always having money trouble, so it was an image on top of an image, and so here as a believer. I, I didn't understand the plan of God until the word imprinted me with God's desire for me. And I remember going through Deuteronomy 28 and getting really excited. I thought, this is what I've been looking for all my life. Bless going in and coming out and in the field and in the city too. And in my basket, in my storehouse, yes. blessed in everything I put. This is what I've been looking for all my life. It was, the, it was a, an image that brought such an eagerness to me. When the Lord blesses me, every aspect of my life will be impacted by the blessing. And that image changed the wrong image that I came into The kingdom of God with it changed the not enough image it changed the hand to mouth image and the paycheck to paycheck image and the too much month at the end of the money changed that image too y'all might not know that song if you haven't i'm from nashville so every once in a while those too much month at the end of the money it was a bestseller Top, top ten, right? Not in our lives. There's a new image. More than enough. More than enough became a new image that the Word of God, only the Word can erase that image that the enemy had built into my heart years and years he had been etching that image of lack and not enough and and broke and poor mouth into my life. But the word of God began to blot that image out and erase it and cleanse my heart of that image and etch in me an image of more than enough, an image of all sufficiency in all things so that I abound to every good work, so that I move from not just needing and not just wanting, but I moved into a place where I want to be a blessing. Yeah. I never desired to be a blessing before. I never thought about anybody else. I was too busy just trying to get enough for my four and no more. But when the word of God came in, now suddenly generosity yeah. has been etched into my spirit. And an image of seeing myself with financial empowerment to the point that I can help other people that I can support the work of God's kingdom. Amen. So that's what we're we're wanting. We want to change our expectation and it will not happen just because you own a Bible and go to a faith building church. It's available, but it's not automatic. For this to happen, you're going to have to purposefully Take the image of the word of God and put it in your eyes so that it reflects into your spirit. And that's why he says attend to my words, incline your ear to hear, let them not depart from in front of your eyes because I need this image in your heart. I need I need it to be written upon the tablets of your heart. I need you to see what I see from inside. And so the word of God is what we want to go to, to let the image of God's will be transmitted or etched into our spirits. Let's look, first of all, at God's original plan. And I go here because even though we've gone here many times before, it is, a, it is the, the cornerstone of showing us the plan and the purpose of God when he created mankind. Genesis 1, 28, And God blessed them. God blessed them, and God said unto them. These are the first words recorded that God spoke in the ears of Adam and Eve. God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth is not limited to just having children in that, in that fruitful capacity. He wants us to be fruitful. Deuteronomy 28 refers to every area of our life, every area, fruitful in, productive in, increasing in. So in these words, God transmitted an image of not lack, not struggle, not having having to toil. That was after the fall. Before the fall, the blessing is an image of You have a blessing that empowers you to prosper. You have the blessing of God that empowers you to be fruitful. Be fruitful on your job. Be fruitful in your business. Be fruitful in saving money. Be fruitful in coming out of debt. Be fruitful. Let the the empowerment of God operate in every relationship. Amen? Amen. So it's not just talking about money, although money is included, but we don't want to limit to just money. He's talking about every aspect of your life under the flow of the blessing. When Adam fell, we know he fell from the blessing. That's one of the things that he was no longer operating. He he came under the curse, and the curse began to operate, And God had to look for people to establish covenant with. And pastor's been loading us in the covenant, hasn't he? Praise God. When God came to Abraham with this covenant, actually Abram was his name when God first began uh, interacting with him. And God changed his name to Abraham, which means the father of many nations. But in Genesis chapter 12, God begins to give words of this covenant of blessing. It is a covenant of blessing that we have inheritance to. Genesis 12, verse 1, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from your kindred and from your father's house unto a land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you. And make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you and curse him that curses you. And in you shall all families of the earth be blessed. Hallelujah. So this covenant that God is establishing with Abraham is a blessing covenant. God's interaction with Abraham and with every other person that we find him establishing covenant with, every interaction was a blessing from God's side. God came into the relationship to bless. He is serious about the blessing. He emphasizes the blessing. And if God emphasizes it, we should emphasize it. If God places a priority on the operation of the blessing in our life, we should place a priority on it. So God, the very, very focus of his interaction with Abraham is the blessing. Let's go over to chapter 17 of Genesis. And God speaks more of this blessing. In verse 1, when Abram was 90 years old and 9, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou upright. We see the word perfect. This word perfect, it doesn't mean without flaw. It means be upright, be sincere. Those both, both are in my center column reference. Be upright or sincere. Uh, Just out of curiosity, Brother Richard, can I see the Amplified as well? And we'll see if that uh, pulls out anything more concerning that word perfect. I am the Almighty God. Walk and live habitually before me and be blameless, wholehearted, and complete. We know in the New Testament the word perfect means fully developed. Uh, And so we have a similar meaning here with this word, with complete and wholehearted. So he says to Abram in verse 3, Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. Neither shall your name anymore be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham For a father of many nations have I made you and I will make you exceeding fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings shall come out of you and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your seed after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto you and to your seed after you. Hallelujah. So we know that the blessing is going to cause increase in his lineage, but is that the only place that increase manifested in his life? No. We know in the testimony that his servant gives of him in Genesis 24 and verse 35, he says this of the blessing. He says, the Lord has blessed my master, Abraham, greatly, and he has become great. And he has given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and men servants and maid servants and camels and donkeys. Hallelujah. So we know that he increased financially. He increased by the blessing. He said, the Lord has blessed my master greatly. So it's not limited to finances, but it would be wrong for us to exclude finances because for you to fulfill the plan of God for your life, you will need the blessing and the increase the blessing brings because the plan of God is that you be a blessing, and it's hard for it to be a blessing if you can't pay your own bills. Amen? Amen? So we've got to embrace this generosity of our father and we've got to participate with his plan to be a blessing. And in that, in that objective, he has to bring into our lives as well for us to have something to distribute. So the Lord has blessed my master greatly. Is what he says. We know from our previous studies, and I'm not going to go through every example, but we know in Genesis chapter 26 that Isaac had to enact or activate the plan and the purpose of the blessing in his life. And so God said to him, Don't go down to Egypt. I want you to stay here in this land. And Isaac obeyed God. Isaac obeyed just like Abraham obeyed, and Isaac stayed in the land, and his sowing in that land in a time of famine was an act of faith. It was his faith that put the seed in the ground while there's no water, there's no rain, everybody else's crops are dying in the field. It's a famine brought on by a drought, and Isaac is sowing in a time of famine because God said... Stay here. Well, my family's got to eat, so he's gonna have to bless the work of my hands. He told me to stay here. I might as well get busy. I might as well put my seed in the ground. And it says that God blessed him. Genesis 26 12, Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. How did he receive the hundredfold? The blessing. Is now operating in Isaac's life like it operated in his father's life. And it says in verse 13 the man waxed great. Until reading the Bible, I had never used wax as a verb. Wax was my candle, wax was, was, was what was in the candle. I'd never used waxed as a verb, but let me help you today. Waxing, great, is not a sudden influx. Waxing is how they make a candle. They take the wick of the candle and they dip it in the wax and they pull it up. And they dip it in the wax and they pull it up. And the more they wax it, the greater it grows. And the more God waxes you, the greater you're going to grow. It's not a get-rich-quick scheme. The blessing is not an overnight influx. The blessing is a lifetime of God's participation in everything you put your hands to. It includes protection. It includes empowerment. It includes wisdom. It includes ideas. It includes doors of favor. It includes you being at the right place at the right time because God has led you there and directed and ordered your steps to be there. That's part of the blessing. It's not coincidence. It's not chance, it's not luck, it's the blessing. And it's God's plan for you to wax great. He wants to increase you more and more, not increase you once and he's done. There are some people who look at God as this, uh, with this mindset of they've got to have, it's either feast or famine. They've got to go through all the struggle and the hard times and then one large breakthrough will come. God, God's got a miracle for you, a miracle. Well, if you're operating in the blessing, you don't have to hold on, hold on until the blessing comes. If you're operating in the blessing, it's blessing every day. It's blessing all the time, right? The blessing causes you to wax great. And so every day you get up, every day is a blessing day. Isn't that what Dr. Sevel taught? Every day, a blessing day. Pastor says every day is a faith day. They go together. Why? Because my faith has to expect that the blessing is working for me. When I go into this office, the blessing is working for me. When I I make this decision, the blessing is working for me. God is leading me to do this. He's directed me to do this. He will bless the work of my hands. He will bless this purchase. He will bless this decision. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the waxing great is a continual process of the blessing having an uninterrupted flow. That's what we're looking for. We want to have our faith and our participation in the plan of God so that the blessing has an uninterrupted flow. We don't want to be hit and miss, up and down, in and out, here and there. And sometimes the blessing is working and sometimes it's not. We want to keep ourselves Amen. in a place where the blessing can have non-stop operation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it says that Isaac waxed great and he went forward and he grew until he became very great. This is the plan of God. This is how the blessing works. Remember how Deuteronomy described the the movement of the blessing? It says these blessings will come on you and overtake you. That's how the blessing moves. It comes on you. It overtakes you. It's a force, a force that, that begins to operate in your life. It begins to operate in your marriage. It begins to operate in your relationship. The blessing comes on you and overtakes you. Hallelujah. He grew until he became very great. It didn't stop with Isaac, Jacob, Jacob, even though he deceived and, and, and got the blessing of the firstborn, he, he got the birthright from his brother for that bowl of beans, those lentils. And then he dressed up like his brother and went in and got the blessing pronounced over him that was intended for Esau. But, but, God's plan operated uh uh as as cuz God had already ordained beforehand that he would be the one that the uh, the older would serve the younger. And so when he when he received that, his brother Esau was so angry at him that his mother sent him to live with her her cousin or her uncle Laban, a relative named Laban. And so he is there with with Laban, and Laban is taking—he's—he's he's promising him one thing and delivering another, and he's deceiving Jacob. And he every time Jacob thinks he's gonna get, you know, a, a good break out of this business deal, it turns and and his his uncle deceives. So they came to a place. He said, "Okay, you gotta quit this. We've got to fix a, a, a specific plan," and he said, "Okay, Laban." Laban said, you know what I'm going to do for you? This is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to make a deal with you. All of the cattle and the sheep that are born with spots or rings or streaks on them, you can have those. Evidently, he didn't think there would be very many of them because at that time there weren't very many of them. So he thought, you're not going to get much, but if you'll agree to that. See, here's Laban thinking, I got you again. But Jacob says, I'll agree to that and watch the blessing go to work for me. And, and he took poplar br- branches and stripped the, the poplar branches and put them in front of the sheep and the goats and the cows while they were eating and drinking, while they were mating. And they began to have all of their, uh, the majority of the flocks began to produce spotted and streaked and ringed cattle and sheep and goats until the sons of Laban says you've ripped our father off he said hey it was a legal deal the blessing went to work for him the blessing went to work for him and when he came back to his brother he was he had to come in bands he had to break up there was he had so much in supply so much provision. And when he came to his brother, he said to him, he said, I have this gift for you. And he said, I don't need your gift. And he says this in Genesis 33, 11, take, I pray you my blessing that is brought to you. What has he become now? I'm blessed to be A blessing. I have something to give you. I'm not trying to take from you. I'm not trying to take your birthright. I'm not trying to take... I I have something now to give you. Take my blessing that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have enough. The center column reference of my Bible says, I have all things. Doesn't that sound like 2 Corinthians 9, all sufficiency in all things so that we abound to every good work? He said, I have all things, and he urged him to take it. Praise God. This is the blessing. We we can't see how the blessing operated for Adam because Adam didn't stay with it. Adam did not stay in a position where the blessing could have a full operation and manifestation. Doesn't Romans 15 say, when I come to you, I want to come in the fullness of the blessing? There's a fullness of the blessing that God wants us to attain. Not a, not a portion of the blessing, not, not a, a, a part of the blessing. God wants us to operate in the fullness of the blessing so that we can look at every area of our lives and see the blessing at work in our lives. Hallelujah, the fullness of the blessing. So Adam did not allow the blessing to have its operation long enough for us to see Any effect of it. But Abraham did. And Isaac did. And Jacob did. And you can go look at Joseph. Joseph had the blessing of God operating. Even when he was in Potiphar's house. It says the hand of the Lord was upon him. And Potiphar could see that the hand of the Lord was upon him. When he was put into the prison, falsely accused, the enemy trying to hold him down, he's there in the prison, and before you know it, he's in charge. Everything was entrusted into his hand because of the blessing. It says the Lord prospered him. The Lord was with him, and he was prosperous. in. Potiphar's house in the prison and then when the opportunity and the timing of God opened for him to step in and become second in command under the the Pharaoh, hallelujah, he was operating in the fullness. He didn't let go of the blessing as it operated in one place because he was falsely accused. He didn't let go of the blessing because the butler and the baker forgot about him. He didn't let go of it. He kept hold of that blessing and let the blessing continue to have its fullness of operation until it brought him into the plan of God. We need the blessing of God in operation so that God's plan can be complete in our lives. So let's go back and look at some of the clues that we have. We know know why Adam did not continue in the blessing. His disobedience caused him to fall from the blessing. We know how the blessing is established in our life. Galatians chapter 3 says, If you be Christ's, if you belong to Jesus Christ, it says in verse 13 of Galatians chapter 3 Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. Because it is written, cursed is everyone who hangeth upon a tree. So he has disconnected us or redeemed us from the curse. But verse 14 goes the step further. We're not only redeemed from the curse, but we're redeemed into the blessing. He didn't just take the curse away from us and then just leave us empty. He removed the curse and placed the blessing operative in our life. Verse 14, so that the blessing, I like to put so that, it says that the blessing of Abraham might come on. Isn't that what Deuteronomy says? The blessing will come on you. It will come on you. So Jesus, it's because of Jesus the blessing has come on us. The blessing is on you because of who you are in Christ. Because of what he's done for you. That's where our anchor point is. That's the anchor point of our faith. Because the enemy will come and say, you don't deserve the blessing. You know, I, I don't deserve a lot of the things I got. But because I'm in Christ, I got them anyway. I'm so glad I didn't get what I did deserve. Because what I deserved, I don't want it. (laughs) What I deserved, Jesus bore for me. He carried it away from me. He suffered the penalty for what I deserved. What I deserved, he took on his back. What I deserved, he suffered as the nails were put into his hands. What I deserved, he endured when he gave up the ghost and entered into hell and suffered the punishment that I deserved. I didn't get what I deserved. I got what Jesus deserves. Hallelujah. So this is the anchor point for the blessing. I'm blessed Because Jesus made me blessed. I'm righteous because Jesus made me righteous. I don't have to do anything to be righteous. I do things because I am righteous. I have fruits of righteousness, works of righteousness, but none of them make me righteous. They are things I do and actions I have because I am righteous through what Jesus made me. He made me, he became sin so that I would be made the righteousness of God. In the same way, he became cursed so that I would be blessed. So I'm blessed because of what he did. I'm not going to leave his provision on the table. When my grandmother spent all day long in the kitchen slaving over the pots and pans, you better believe I'm going to eat what she puts on the table. Amen? And it was worth eating too. Amen? And I, I, when, when Jesus died and suffered so that I could be blessed, you better believe I'm going to say, put that on my plate. Go ahead. I, yeah, I'll take an extra portion of that, but just put it on my plate. It's ours because he was cursed. The blessing is yours because Jesus was cursed. He became cursed. Didn't do anything to deserve the curse, but the curse came on him. And in that, you and I became blessed. He was cursed for us so that the blessing would come on us. Hallelujah. The anchor point that that provides for us takes away any, any mental or emotional evidences that I need to prove to me that I'm blessed. I don't need to see anything. Listen. God called Jacob blessed when he was in Potiphar's house. He called him prosperous in Potiphar's house. Yeah. Hallelujah. So he wasn't looking at the, the God, God took what it looked like and, and changed what should have been. The servant shouldn't have been running things. But the blessing brought him to the top. The blessing put him in charge. The blessing gave him the skills and the wisdom above everybody else. Amen? So the blessing is not on me because I look blessed. I remember when Pastor Steele started teaching about uh, seed time and harvest and, and preaching about... Uh, he, was, he spent like weeks on seed time and harvest and weeks on, on the increase and, and holes in his shoes. And I would tell him, don't, don't kneel at the altar with the brothers to pray for them. Can you just kind of squat down there next to him? <laughs> he said, why, honey? I said, because when you kneel, we can see there's holes in your shoes. But he wasn't waiting until there was natural evidence to begin to believe for what God had said was operating in our life. And, and I'm so glad. I'm so glad. He he didn't wait. He began to believe for it and see it in the word and call for it and operate in it, and that's what changed it. Amen. Glory to God. Let's look at Genesis 22, and let's find another key to the operation or the activation of the blessing in our life, and it is a major key. And we see that Adam... Did not continue in the blessing because of disobedience, but we see that Abraham, that God marked his obedience. God identified his obedience as a a um, a qualification. Genesis twenty two. Let's begin and read verses one through twelve. It came to pass after these things that God did. Tempt Abraham and said unto Abraham, behold, Abraham said, behold, here I am. And he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell you of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto the young men, abide here with the donkey and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. What did Abraham say? Who's coming back? Me and the boy. We will come back. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went both of them together. And Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here, I am, here am I, my son. And he said, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb? For a burnt offering. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told them of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Let me just say this if the boy was strong enough to carry the wood, did he put the wood on Isaac's back? Right? So this wasn't a little tiny kid. He was, he was man enough to carry the cross, man enough to carry the wood, and man enough that if he didn't want to do it, he could have, he could have fought his father and said, I'm not doing that. So he was willing, and we see that willingness in Jesus. I, Abraham, verse 10, stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld. I want you to circle the word, underline the word withheld. You have not withheld your son, your only son from me. The Moffat translation says, you have not grudged me, your son. The word grudge here, this word grudge means to give with reluctance. You have not given him reluctantly. It also means to submit unwillingly. So I'm doing it, but I don't want to do it. He said you did not do that. You willingly gave him and you you uh, gave him not reluctantly, willingly. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't that how we wanted God to give to us? What, did God give Jesus reluctantly? <sighs> I don't want to do this. I don't want to send my only begotten son. No. He did not. He did not begrudge us a savior. What Abraham gave, God was able, God gave God legal access to reciprocate. And so Abraham had to do this. He had to submit willingly. That tells me, and my, my daughter, she's out of the room. She watches this little children's show that talks about this super book. And they talk about this, uh, uh, how Abraham And they've got Abraham all sad I don't see it I can't find it I can't find Abraham sad Because faith isn't sad And That's Bible right. says Abraham did this by faith That's right. So there was no sadness There was no reluctance There was no hesitancy There was no Oh I don't want to give my son There was no, no despair He believed That if God had to God would raise him he had already, in a figure, received him from the dead. He was willing to do this and believe that my lineage will come from this child on the altar. Amen. This boy on the altar will be the seed through which I have a multitude and I become the father of a multitude through this who I offer today. Not sad. Not despairing, not gloomy. God said, you didn't do this grudgingly. You did not do this reluctantly, but you willingly submitted. Is that what God loves a cheerful prompt to do it? Willing giver. He said he wants a willing hearted sacrifice, a willing hearted offering. Exodus chapter 35. Willing hearted, 1 Chronicles 29. The offerings come from willing hearts and God is able to build the kingdom with them. Amen. amen willing. And so we see here that this obedience was something that God was looking for. That's what God was aiming for. That's what God needed to have legal access to reciprocate the blessing. To establish and 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 release into abraham's life he needed abraham's obedience in this situation and we know that abraham called the name of this place god who sees and provides the lord will see and make the provision in advance because he encountered the ram caught in the thicket but the the obedience let's look at verse 16 And, and, well, 15, the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, says the Lord, for because you have done this thing, because you have done this thing, is there a part we play in in the blessing? Uh, Our part is obedience. Because you have done this thing and not withheld your seed, your son, your only son, that in blessing I will bless you and in multiplying I will multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore and your seed shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice obedience was the major key the main element of the blessing having the liberty to operate in abraham's life without his obedience he wouldn't have been there to encounter the ram he wouldn't have been there without the obedience he would not have had this conversation where god says In blessing, I will bless you because you have obeyed my voice. The Moffat's translation says, Because you have obeyed my word. Because the words I spoke to you, you acted on them. You did what I said. Hallelujah. We live in a time that... uh, the the obedience and the instant obedience is more vital to our lives than ever before we are living at the last of the last days we are living in the end of times we are are stepping daily in, in plans and purposes that require our accuracy that we be accurate in the way we live before God, that we be accurate in the way we respond to his voice, that he can, he can prompt us and he doesn't have to talk us into it. He doesn't have to twist our arm or, or go jump through a bunch of hoops to prove it's really him talking to us, but that he can just, he can just prompt us. I, 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 I so desire to be... As sensitive as the person who overnighted $100,000 to Dufresne Ministries, the day Dr. Dufresne went to heaven, the day they found out, the day that Dr. Dufresne's plane went down, God spoke to someone's heart and they went immediately and overnighted a $100,000. They didn't have to say, let me pray about it. Let me see if that's really you, God. Let me wait till Monday. Because when, when they came into work Monday morning, the, there was no money to pay the employees. But by the end of the day, that $100,000 had arrived and the mercy of God ministered to that church and to that ministry and provided, and they have and launched them into a supply and a provision, and they've never been in the same situation again, because someone was sensitive, I want to be that person now, when I heard that story, I thought it was the first time I think that I and not I didn't necessarily and i won't turn it away if i am the person to receive the hundred thousand but i want to be the person that god can just prompt me and i'm so quick that i just stop what i'm doing and go get it and send it and have it to send oh yes i want to be that person that has it to send what a ministry what what an impact that had on that ministry and all those people and how that it was the the bomb of Gilead for that ministry, Amen. Yeah. Prompt obedience, and it's it's. Uh, let me just be honest, it's something that requires practice. Amen. Being obedient, you know, you can say, "Oh yeah, I'm obedient. I'm obedient." <laughs> when it's something that goes crosswise to what you thought, or 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 what you planned or it doesn't seem reasonable, you better go collect the pots if he says, pour the oil. Right? You better go collect the pots, borrow as much as you can to do. Why? Because there's the the obedience. Without that obedience, there wouldn't have been the outpouring of the oil. Without the obedience to go make the man of God the first cake, there wouldn't have been a supply and a provision throughout the rest of the famine. Amen? That instant obedience is something that all of us, just go ahead and lift your hand and say, Me too. All of us can gain greater skill in being obedient and instantly obedient, prompt in obedience, quick to obey. Amen. Let's talk about the importance of o- obedience in these last few minutes that I have. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 2. Verse 16, the Lord commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. This was the only requirement. The obedience to this instruction was the requirement for all of the blessing that they encountered in the garden. They had full provision, full supply, access to the abundance of the blessing of God. But there was an obedience necessary. The reasoning that the enemy brought deceived Eve, but Adam disobeyed. The Bible doesn't call Adam deceived. It says the Eve, the, Eve, the woman was deceived, but Adam was disobedient. The Bible says, by the disobedience of one, death has entered and or sin has entered and death by sin. so the the obedience was established in the garden. That's the beginning, right? Revelation 22 from beginning to end, obedience is woven through our relationship with God Revelation 22:14 Blessed are they that do his commandments Obedience Blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life If Abraham had not obeyed God there would have been something That he didn't have a right to. Without that obedience. It would have been. It would have been unjust. For God to give him. God's a good father. And he's not going to bless disobedience. It says blessed are they. That do his commandments. That they may have right. To the tree of life. And may enter in. Through the gates. Into the city. So from the garden to heaven, from the beginning to the end, obedience is a major factor Amen. in what we walk in. Deuteronomy 11, 26 and 27. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move through these quickly just to, just to point them out to us. Deuteronomy eleven twenty six. 26. Behold. I have set before you this day a blessing and a curse. Now, usually when we think about that, we look at choice. A blessing and a curse, choose you this day, right? Choose, and so we we leave that blessing and the curse up to choice. But he says, a blessing if you obey. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. So the choice is, is made in the obedience my being a doer of the word is my choice but my being a doer of the word is what's going to cause the entrance for the blessing the operation of the blessing he says a blessing if you obey hallelujah hallelujah that's what we want We want the plan of God. It's his plan to bless us. I'm not trying to get him to bless me illegally. I want him to bless me, so what am I going to do? Do you see how this puts it all back into a safe place? It puts a safety on the blessing. People can't get the blessing with wrong motives because it won't work for them. Well, I'm just going to get the blessing of God so I can just be rich and I can just hoard it all to myself. It won't work. If you're not intent to be a blessing, it won't come to a place where where that's going to happen. There's a safety mechanism on the blessing. And the blessing is not going to work in disobedient lives. People who refuse to do the word can't get the results of the blessing. I'm talking to doers of the word, and I'm just strengthening you in your doing. Amen. Amen? I'm strengthening. This is why we are doers of the word. This is our part of the covenant a blessing if you obey. Exodus 19:5 Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then if you obey, then shall you be a peculiar treasure unto me. Oh, And that's not strange or weird, peculiar. That's like a very dear, unique treasure to me. Oh, how God desires obedient children. Oh, how God desires our obedience. Why? Because he wants to bless us. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his people. He says, Please, Obey me, because i got good things in store for you. Obey me, because i got so much I want to do for you. Obey me, because I want to be able to bring my goodness into manifestation in your life. Obey me. Amen. If you will obey my voice, then you will be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be unto me, you who obey me, you will be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak unto the children of Israel. So God says, I just want you to obey me and I'll do the rest. I'll do all the protecting, all the providing. I'll 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 lead you, I'll guide you. I'll I'll put good things in your life if you'll just obey me. It'll all work out. Amen. Let's look at Jesus our example. John 8 Verse 29. And he that sent me is with me. The father has not left me alone. For I do always those things that please him. I think we should take that phrase out and put it in our mouth. Let's start saying that. Let's start saying, I do those things that please God. If Jesus could say that about himself, he's our example. He's our model. We can say that about ourselves. I do the things that please God. Hallelujah. I do always those things that please him. John 10, 18. No man takes it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Jesus received commandments from the Father, and he obeyed them. This commandment have I received of my Father. So we aren't the first ones to have commandments to follow. Jesus, our example, our master, our elder brother, He also received instructions and commandments from the Father, and he obeyed them. Hallelujah. John 12, 49 and 50. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. Has God given us some commandments of what we should say and what we should speak? And now, and I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. Do you hear the obedience to the commandment in that John 14, 31? But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. As the Father gave me commandment. Did he say, I love the Father, and as he commands me, I do it. That's why Jesus could say, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Because this is how he loved the Father. I love the Father, and I keep the commandments he's given me. Hallelujah. And a, another is in John 15, 10. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in his love. So obedience is the connector in this relationship. Obedience is our demonstration of love to God. Because you have obeyed my voice, he told Abraham. Jesus said, as my father commands me, I keep those commandments. We know what the result of Jesus' obedience culminated in. Because of his obedience to the commandments, we're redeemed. If he had not obeyed God, none of us would have hope today. None of us would have New life today. None of us would be forgiven of our sins or righteous by nature if Jesus had not obeyed God. But by one man's obedience, Romans 5 and verse 19 says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Because Jesus kept the Father's commandments, you and I are righteous tonight. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8. So we see that obedience is more than just about a momentary, did I do that one thing? But it is a life of obedience that enables us to walk out the plan of God. Philippians 2 verse 8. I'm talking and my pages aren't turning in the right direction. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient. Obedient unto death or to the point of death. His obedience cost him his life. To redeem us, his obedience required that he go to the cross and become sin for us. That he died the death that we deserve. So he became obedient even to the point of death. The death of the cross. Wherefore, or this is why, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. So his obedience was the qualification for God to put him in the position that he holds today as the Lord and head of the universe. Hallelujah. Where all power in heaven and earth is given unto him. In heaven, in things on the earth, things under the earth. Hallelujah. Why? Because he was obedient. Because he was obedient to the Father. Hebrews 5, 8. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience. Do you see why we need to practice? If he learned it, there are things we can learn. Yet, although he was a son, he learned obedience. He learned obedience by the things which he suffered. We are not called to suffer anything he redeemed us from. But there is a putting under of the flesh. There is a submitting to the will of pl- and plan of God that is, is against the flesh at times. That discipline and that obedience will, will at times go crosswise against what the, the flesh wants to do, what reasoning wants to do, what other people are doing. And that's why we learn obedience. It says he learned obedience. And then it says, and being made perfect. Again, that word in the New Testament is developed. Being developed. He became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So he works in us, the author, he authors in us the salvation, the redemption, the, the maturity in us as we obey him. Hallelujah. It won't work without it. Nothing in the plan of God is going to work for us without this element of discipline in our life to obey the the book of proverbs says instruction is the way of life and i have encountered more people in this generation who who despise instruction it's it's like don't tell me i'm not telling you to try to put you down i'm telling you to try to help you out <laughs> i'm telling you to make it you don't have to learn it the hard way you don't you don't have to go through the 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 hard way, if I can show you the easy way. If I can teach you, you don't have to learn by trial and error. Instruction, you have to teach yourself when somebody comes to instruct you. Don't say, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What You're cutting off the help. You're sabotaging the wisdom. Because the moment somebody says, oh, I know, I stop. I could have been about to give them the answer they were ready for, but if they already know, I will save my breath. Wow. Yeah. Right? You've got to learn how to be receptive. I remember when I first began interacting with Pastor Caldwell. I was so excited, and, and I was just ready to share and I learned that the moment I started talking, he stopped. And, and one day I came to this great revelation. I already know everything I know. He doesn't need to know anything I, I know because he knows more than me already. I need to know what he knows. But I'm doing all the talking. I've got to learn how to close my mouth and opened my ears. And that's when I began to learn how to ask him the right questions. I thought, if Lord, he's got wisdom for what I'm walking through, teach me how to access that wisdom. And it started with honor, honoring. And then it started with me having to learn how to Hold back what I might want to interject in that conversation and listen. The instruction, the commandment is not given to try to dominate us and try to hold us down with with commandments. All these commandments. The Ten Commandments. People think it's the Ten Restrictions. There aren't restrictions. they are protections. It's protection. There's evil in that tree. Don't eat it. Don't eat the fruit because I don't want you to experience the evil. I'll teach you about evil. I'll give you wisdom to know all that you need to know about, about the evil. But I don't want evil being something in you. I don't want you to have to experience it. I would have much rather my children listen to me, obey me, so that you never have to know what a hangover is. I can teach you so that you never have to endure that humiliation of putting your face in a place your face was never intended to be. That's the commandment. They're not instructions for restriction. They're instructions for protection. The commandment is the entrance into the plan and the operation and the will of God. Hallelujah. We'll end right here in Luke 6. Go with me to Luke 6, 47. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. Obedience is stability. Obedience is Lays the stability of our life. It says, the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon the house and could not shake it. Could not shake it. Why? It was founded on a rock. That's why God wants us to obey. He doesn't want anything in this world, in this life, in this world system, in the enemy's artillery to have influence over our life. If we're obedient to God, he has every right to protect us. If we're obedient to God, he has every right to provide for us. If we're obedient to God, he has every right to bless us. But those who choose to disobey God, they are blowing a hole in their covenant of blessing. When Malachi 3 says, You are cursed with the curse, the image of that phrase means you have blown a hole in the protection, blessing, covering that I have placed over your life. God doesn't want anybody to taste the curse. Feel the curse, experience the curse. That's why Jesus became cursed for us, so that the curse could be completely 100% off limits to our life. I'll say that. You never have to be cursed another day in your life. You never have to have the operation of the curse another day in your life. What does it require? obedience are we all going to be perfect meaning flawless no that's why we have the blood and he's faithful and just to forgive us just don't wait a month a year a day an hour to repent repent right away if you miss it repent repent the moment you realize the the conviction of the lord repent that moment and say father i missed it forgive me So that you're right back in that obedient heart and you're in that place. And that's how we stay. We don't have to be. It doesn't mean we'll never make an error. We'll never make a mistake. It means that if I am obedient in my heart and I repent, if I miss it, God is always legally available to give me help and protection and provision in my life. Amen. Praise God. Father. Father. We desire to gain skill in being instantly, promptly, and continually obedient because we desire to be a blessing. We desire to lay the foundation of our lives upon the rock. We ask you, Lord... By the help of your Holy Spirit, help us identify areas where we've been slow to obey you, where we have drugged our feet or even had an unwilling heart. We may have done it, but we did it with the wrong attitude. Father, I ask you, say this with me. Father, I ask you, show me where I have missed it, where I can do better. Teach me how to be prompt when you speak to me, when I see it in the word, that I will immediately give you my obedience, willingly, in Jesus' name. Praise God.